Hallelujah. Let's lift up our hands and let's continue to love him all across this building. Come on, let's continue to worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, are you grateful he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Are you grateful that God said he'd never leave you nor forsake you, that he's here right now? Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Lift up your voice. Let's press a little further. Let's go a little further. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. We praise you today. Come on, that's it. Somebody lift up your voice all across this house and worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout of victory all across this house. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. Ooh, it feels good in the house of the Lord. Love what I, the presence of God that's here in this, in this wonderful church. Amen. Thankful for God's spirit always moving amongst us. And, you know, I don't take that for granted. I'm very grateful that God would choose. You know, David put it best when he wrote the song. He said, what is man or who is man that you are even mindful of him? He said, when I consider the heavens, the stars, and all of the other things that are much bigger and greater than I am, you still commune with us. You still move on us. I thank God for that. How about you? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We're getting ready to dismiss our Sunday school kids uh, to their classrooms. But as we get ready for that, I want to reiterate what uh, Brother D has already said. This upcoming week is our kids' revival. Our theme... For this year is Treasure Island, and so the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And so we're going to be having a great time. Uh, Brother Philip Booker from Apostolic Sunday School. If you've never had a chance to see it, you can go on his YouTube, Apostolic Sunday School, and you can watch it. He does all sorts of cool things. This is going to be a great time for our kids and our young people, but I want to tell you it's going to be a great time for us adults as well. Amen. Not only are we going to be impacted ourselves, we're also going to have the opportunity to impact the young people and the kids of our area. And uh, we are already starting to do that. Sister Rodriguez let me know that they had 12 Sunday school riders today. Amen. They had to take multiple trips. And so we're just getting ready for this upcoming weekend. This Saturday we'll be in Sparks at noon. Uh, I know that's a little bit of a drive, but we're trying to affect more than just our city. We're trying to affect our region. And so let's come out to that. And then next Sunday at 1.30, this is going to be completely casual. In fact, it's a Treasure Island theme. And uh, there's going to be all sorts of fun stuff at the carnival after he gets done doing his lesson, which is going to be impactful. We're going to have uh, bounce houses, candy, water slides. We do ask that any of the kids that want to be involved in that, just make sure you don't mind getting wet or you bring a change of clothes for that. And you'll be blessed by that. Any adults that plan on getting in there, you just... God will bless you anyways. Amen. So it's going to be a great time. Free food fellowship. Invite people. We've got flyers in the back. And uh, this is a great opportunity to invite your neighbor, to invite your family. And everybody said amen. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school kids in their classrooms. Everybody say God bless our Sunday school kids. And God bless our Sunday school teachers. Amen. And for everyone else, we're going to be turning open our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 5. Amen. Genesis chapter 13 and verse number 5. The word of the Lord declares this. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them. That's a lot of blessings. That's a lot of favor from God. They were not, the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. I pray for a blessing like that. Uh, upon everybody that there's so much blessing we don't know what to do with it but I hope that you never get so blessed that you forget the need for one another amen and there was strife Amen. sometimes you'd be so blessed that you miss out on why you're blessed but 
The Bible says there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even, this is how he viewed it, perception does make a difference. Even as the garden of God or the garden of the Lord, like the land of of Egypt as thou comest unto Zoar. It is interesting to note that he looked down and all he saw was the good things. And he looked down and he saw that it was in his his idea like the garden of God like Egypt. Now the whole reason Abraham, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit, Abraham's on a journey looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And Lot is looking down on Sodom and Gomorrah, and he thinks to himself, we must have found the city we're looking for. Because it's like the Garden of God, just like Egypt. It's a sad day when we start thinking the world is the things of God, that they're the similar things, that they are equal. That the things of God and the things of the world, they are not equal. Amen. But Lot looked down, he said, this must be it. Then Lot chose them all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. He set his direction towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. There were some things that Lot missed when he looked down from the mountain on Sodom. He thought it was the garden of God from a distance. But the Bible says that Sodom and the whole plain was full of slime pits. There were some things that Lot missed. Furthermore, the Bible says in our text that the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Skipping over to Genesis chapter 19 and verse number 1, just a couple pages later. Genesis chapter 19 and verse number 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. Notice where Lot's at. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, looking out. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them and bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Skipping down to verse number nine, verse number 17. I'm going to read several scriptures for us. In the event that I don't preach good, you got the word of God. Amen. But I, I hope this is going to help us tell the story here today. And it came to pass, in verse 17, and it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, the angels had taken them out of the city, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest you be consumed. Skipping down to verse 23. The Bible says, The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. God said, Go towards the mountain. And Lot pleaded with him and said, Let me just go to this little city over here. He wasn't quite ready to give it all up yet. And he entered into Zoar, and the Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And let's go towards verse 30 for the ending of the story. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain. And I'm going to stop there. I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Direction matters. 
Direction matters. Would you set down your Bibles and would you lift up your voice as we pray? Hallelujah. I believe that God's going to help each and every one of us here today. That God, we would take this word and we would apply it to our lives. Each of us have a different circumstance and each of us have a different uh, life. But I believe that this word is applicable to every single one of us regardless of where we are. And God, I'm praying that you would help us, Lord, to set our affection on things above and to set our direction towards the things above. And I pray, God, that you'd bless us with your word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him direction matters. And you may be seated. God bless you. Praise God. The story of Lot is one of the most interesting and cautionary tales in the Bible. I have studied the story of Lot over and over again. And in preparation for this message here today, I felt very specifically to preach this message. But there were so much, so many other points that through the years of study, I really wanted to preach those instead. Uh, but that's because there's so much in the story of Lot. It's not a very long story. But it is... It is interesting how Lot even came to be in the Bible. The Bible lets us know that God called his uncle Abram to come out of the land that they were dwelling. And the Bible says Lot followed Abram. Everywhere that Abram went, Lot continued to follow. The Bible says that Abram was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Now, when you look at the story of Abram, he doesn't seem to have a lot of direction. He seems to be wandering. And to the outside observer, it might just look like Abram was wandering aimlessly. However, Abram was on the search for the will of God in his life. Amen. He did not always get it right when he journeyed. There were times when he ended up in difficult situations while he journeyed. Amen. There were times where he took wrong turns. Amen. There were times when he got turned around. And to the outside observer, it would look like Abram was just going nowhere. But yet Abram was going with an internal compass, with an internal direction, that I am looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And in his journey, the Bible would tell us that he ended up going through several different cities. And several different places. One of the places he ended up was a place by the name of Egypt. One of the most famous uh, places in the entire Bible. Notice it was a time of famine that he ended up in Egypt. It was a hard time. And it was in that moment that he probably got tired of looking like he was wandering around. And looking like he didn't have his roots down. And So Abram thought to himself, well maybe I'll just take a little detour and I'll head into Egypt. It looks like a safe place. But you don't have to study your Bible very long to find out Egypt's not a safe place. Egypt in the Bible is a type of the world. And the world is not a safe place. It's not a safe place for you. It's not a safe place for your spouse. It's not a safe place for your kids. It's not a safe place for your cousins or your little nephew Lot. The Bible says they got into Egypt and didn't take long before his wife was in jeopardy. It didn't take long before his own life was in jeopardy. Amen. It was on that detour when he let go of that internal direction and that internal compass of following after God and following God's voice. That detour that took him through Egypt. It was on that trip to Egypt that changed Lot forever. As they continued to journey, God continued to bless Abram. Because he was following after the voice of God. And by proxy, God was blessing Lot as well. I will take a moment and just remind somebody, you need to remember where your blessings come from. Let me preach that to every one of us. We need to remember where our blessings come from. We can't ever think that we're blessed in and of ourselves or because we've been so good or we've been so right. We've got to remember that our blessing stems from somewhere outside of us. Lot 
You're not blessed because of who you are. Lot, you're blessed because of who you're following. And that man's blessed because of who he's following. Can I preach it from a New Testament standpoint? Paul told the church, follow me as I follow Christ. And as long as we're all headed in the direction of Jesus, I'm going to be blessed. And you're going to be blessed. And everybody that's following the same direction is going to be blessed. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise. I've seen it happen before where people start thinking that they're blessed because they're so smart. So they stop doing the things that got them blessed in the first place. Amen. I've seen people when they're broke be great givers, but the moment that they get blessed, they stop becoming givers. And guess what happens? They stop being blessed. Amen. I see people come to church when they're broken. Amen. And God touches them and God heals them and God helps them. But all of a sudden they get to a place of self-sufficiency that they don't think they need God anymore. And so they start missing church and skipping out on prayer meeting. And their life never goes up. Amen. Lot's about to teach us. Uh, he didn't go up the mountain. He went down the valley. I want to tell you, when you walk away from the things that God put in your life to bless you, it never takes us up. It always takes us down. Don't forget where your blessing comes from. I want to tell you, I remember, amen, that as a 13-year-old boy walking into an apostolic church, I was depressed and suicidal, but there was something about the prayers of those people. There was something about the praise of those people. There was something about the preaching of my pastor. There was something about the anointing of the altar call that forever changed my life. I don't want to forget where I was when God brought me out of this old world called Egypt. I don't want to forget where I was was because if I ever forget the pit in which I was dug from I'll forget amen that God was the one that blessed me God was the one that saved me Come on, does anybody got a testimony? Uh, amen, of the day you walked into the church. Uh, I don't want to forget about the church. Uh, I don't want to get bitter at the church. Uh, I don't want I don't want to get so blessed uh, that I divide from the church. Uh, it's what blessed me. Uh, it's what helped me. Uh, it's what saved me. Somebody give him praise. Never forget where it comes from. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, God will take somebody from the gutters. Amen. He'll take them from the valley and put them on the mountain. He'll take you from being the brokest person to being the most blessed person. I want to tell you, our God's a God of blessing. I just feel the preachers for a moment. Well, I don't feel very blessed. You just hang on a little while. You just keep coming to church. You just keep being a giver. You just keep being a prayer warrior. You just keep being a worshiper. I promise you, it does not matter how you come in. You will not leave the way you came in. You might come in broke and broken, but by the time you leave, you will be blessed and highly favored of God. You might come in with all sorts of mess, and your family said there's no hope for them. But I want to tell you, by the time you leave, your family's going to wonder what happened to you. You can look back at them and say, if it had not been for the grace of God, if it had. Hallelujah. Somebody give him praise. We can't forget because if we forget, we start fighting. Ooh, I'm going to preach on that a little while. If we forget, we start fighting. We start fighting each other. We start fighting our brothers. We start fighting the church. We start fighting the move of God. We start fighting the direction of God. We start fighting the preacher. Amen. Thank God. I'm not preaching this because I feel this right now. I'm, I'm just preaching this for a future time just in case somebody gets so blessed they want to feel like fighting. Amen. I feel good in the house of the Lord, but I just want to remind somebody that there will come a day where, where all of a sudden we, we are so blessed we have idle time on our hands. And uh, one person put it best. They said idle, idle time is the devil's playground. Amen. When people get so idle, they start looking around. And Lot is so blessed that now all he's got time to do is talk to his herdsmen. Amen. They're not. They're no longer considering what it took to get blessed. Uh, they're so blessed. They're looking at reasons to divide from their brother, and they're so blessed. They're looking at reasons uh, to separate from what got them blessed in the first place. We got to be careful that we don't forget where our blessings come from. Abraham, Amen, was blessed because he followed God, and Lot was blessed because he followed Abraham. Amen. It wasn't Lot that got a word from God. It was Abraham. Amen. And, and uh, I want to tell you, if I'm anything today, it's because I, I got, I, because Jesus Christ, first and foremost, I want to thank God for his mercy and his grace. But if I'm anything today, I want to tell you, it's because God put me under a pastor. 
You may not feel like that, and that's okay. I'll, I'll receive that. But I promise you this, I would not be where I am today had God's grace not stepped in and put me under a man of God that had a, a ear attuned uh, to following the direction of the Lord. If I didn't have a man that would tell me, don't go that direction, don't look. I wouldn't be preaching to you today if it wasn't for a man of God that came that came in my life and told me hard truths when I didn't want to hear them and preached words that I didn't always want to listen to and didn't tell me to turn my direction and turn around. I wouldn't be blessed today. I wouldn't be saved today. I certainly wouldn't be preaching today. So we can't ever forget Abram. We've got to remember Abram helped get Lot out of where he was. And he took him around, but it was on that detour that it changed Lot's perception. Lot got close enough to the world that now there came a day where they're so blessed, it started causing issues between their herdsmen, amen, of Lot and the herdsmen of Abram. Abram offered Lot a chance to go his own way. Let me tell you, everybody, and I think we all agree, you know what Lot should have done? Lot should have gone down to his head herdsmen. And hit him over the head and told him, you just, you just remember, amen, if, 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 if Abraham's herdsmen are there watering, you just go somewhere else and water for a little while. And you two shouldn't be fighting because we wouldn't have anything we had if it wasn't for Abram. Lot should have told those herdsmen, you stop fighting. Don't you realize, uh, Abram, the reason that things are working the way they're working is because we're in alignment and we're heading the right direction. You know what Lot should have done? I want to tell you, anytime somebody starts wanting to bicker and gossip, you ought to look them right and square in the face and tell them, if you would have only known where I would have been had God not have showed up, had God not brought me into the church, you hold your tongue. I don't want to lose my blessing, uh, amen, by getting into some petty stuff. Uh, I don't want to lose my blessings from God because I got wrapped up in all these things of the world that doesn't really matter. Lot, you should have told your herdsman, you calm down. Amen. I'll never forget when I first got saved, I was, my, my brother and sister, my brother-in-law and my sister brought me to church. And uh, it was about a year they'd been in church. We were driving off to a wedding. And I was, I was in the back. I was just, you know, 14-year-old kid. After I got done eating all the snacks I could eat, I took a nap. Amen. And uh, I woke up to the sound of these people in the car, including my brother-in-law and my sister, ripping down the choir and tearing apart the people in the church and tearing apart the pastor and how they don't like this and how they don't like that. You just got to remember, I wasn't quite saved yet. I was getting there. Amen. And I popped up. And I said, hey, that's my church you're talking about. That's my pastor you're talking about. I happen to like the choir. I may not always like the song they sing, but I happen to like them. Uh, I may, you know what? That person, uh, amen, when I was down a couple weeks ago, they came by and encouraged me, and you're ripping them down. I opened my mouth. I didn't care what they said. I said, so if you're going to talk bad about the church, if you're going to talk bad about the pastor, if I could preach it this way, if you're going to talk bad about Abram, I don't have time to listen to you. You can do it on your own time. We need some folks, to, amen, to not follow Lot. We need some folks that will follow Abram. Get a backbone and say, you're not talking like that in my house. You're not. I want to tell you, it made all the difference. And Abram, he should have done that, but he didn't. Lot said nothing. And when he was given the chance to go his own way, Lot started thinking he was going to be just fine by himself. He didn't realize he was being blessed by proxy of his, his proximity to Abram. Although the scripture never plainly says, it is probable that something like this had been a source of contention between Abram and Lot. We can find this in the eagerness of Lot to leave Abram. Something about seeing differences of direction Something about, I'd do it differently. I'd go a different direction. Something about this. We can infer from the scriptures that Lot started getting this thought in his head because the moment he was given the chance, he looked. He looked for the opportunity. And after all, who wants to follow a wanderer who doesn't seem like he knows where he's going? And after all, who wants to follow a leader that, that speaks of a promised land but can't find it? 
And after all, who's, who's going to follow an Abram that speaks about a city of God, but yet when we stopped by cities like Egypt, he didn't stay. And when he stopped by cities like Zoar, he didn't stay. And when we passed by Sodom and Gomorrah, he didn't stay. This man must not know what he's doing. And so, uh, you know, Abram, if God called you uh, and God told you to look for a city, uh, what was wrong with Egypt and what was wrong with Sodom and Gomorrah? And why do we have to take a stance against Zoar? It's a it's a nice place after all. Amen. What's wrong with the cities we've seen up to this point? Why do we got to keep wandering? And why do we got to keep taking up our tent? And why do we got to keep moving? And, and why is it we can't just be stationary? Uh, amen. And when given the opportunity to separate from Abram, uh, he went by what his eyes uh, could see. Amen. But there was a lot more Lot didn't see. Amen. Lot, I want to preach a lot for a moment. Uh, amen. There's a lot more that you can't see. Uh, and there's a lot more you may not know. Uh, and there's a lot more dangers lurking uh, down in the valleys uh, and down in the plains. Uh, amen. But Abram, unlike Lot, uh, he didn't go by what his eyes could see. Uh, he went by the Spirit's leading. Uh, he wasn't going by the direction of his flesh uh, or the direction of what he wanted. Uh, Abram was going by the direction of the Spirit of God uh, that every time he showed up to a city, uh, the Spirit of the Lord would just remind him, uh, this isn't what you're looking for. Uh, and he'd show up to the next city, and the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, in the Old Testament would let him know, this ain't what you're looking for. Uh, and Abram would have to keep marching and keep on walking. But Lot, look with his eyes. I want to tell, let, let me just preach to somebody for a moment. There is a big difference between eyesight and vision. The Bible says we don't walk by eyesight. We walk by faith. Eyesight shows you what is. Vision shows you what could be. Hallelujah. Eyesight shows you what you can see. Vision will show you things you cannot see. It will show, I want to tell you, it takes vision uh, to be a person of direction. Uh, it doesn't just take eyesight. Uh, amen. You know, I've learned there's a lot of people that, that everybody has two eyes. And everybody sees, uh, but not everybody really sees. Amen. Everybody's got eyesight, but not everybody has vision. And you deal with people long enough, uh, amen, where you, you, if you have vision, you can see the direction they're heading. It's not a good direction. And you are just hitting yourself over the head. Why can't they see it? And you preach it and you talk about it. Why can't they see? This is a really bad idea. This is a really bad direction. It's because they got sight, but no vision. This is why the Bible says, without vision, the people perish. You can't just go by what you see because your eyes will play tricks on you. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. It doesn't come by the carnal eye of what you can see because what you can see is that job looks like a good job. But vision will tell you they're going to take you out of church. Eyesight will tell you this looks like a good person to marry. But vision will tell you they don't serve in church. They don't show up to church. It's not going to lead your kids in the right direction. Eyesight will tell you what you can currently perceive, but vision will show you the things you cannot perceive. And if Lot could get anything, he's got to get the vision of Abram that says there must be a reason we didn't go down to the plains. There must can I preach to every mom and dad? Every mom and dad, you've got to have wisdom and you've got to have vision because your kids will go based on what they see. But mom and dad, you know that what they see is not all there is. And you know that the direction they're heading is not good. And so you use your vision and you use your voice. Lot, don't go that direction. Lot, that's a bad direction. Lot, it's not going to work out the way you want it to. I think we ought to lift up our hands all across this house. Let's pray that God would grant us all wisdom and understanding and vision. Let's pray right now. Come on. Come on. This world's tricky. This world's got a good sleight of hand. Amen. It'll make you think you saw something you didn't really see. Lift up your voice and magnify the Lord. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody pray. God, give us vision. God, give us vision. I don't just want to have eyesight. I want to see the. I want to see beyond what is seen. I want to see the unseen. I want to see what's going in the future of this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I could just preach what I feel, that's the challenge in Pentecost today. 
that people are making decisions and churches are making decisions on what they see. Well, this looks cool. Or people might like this. And I think we ought to try everything we can try short of sinning to save people. Amen. But, oh, but our elders had something called vision where they looked ahead and they said, this is not leading us the direction we want to go. Amen. If there's anything we need in the 21st century, in 2023, we need a people of vision. We need a church of vision. We don't need lots to just look at what looks best. We need some Abrams that say, whether I see it right now or not, I'm going to walk and follow God. Whether I feel it right or not, I'm going to follow God. Lot looked down towards the well-watered plains of Sodom. And because he had previously been exposed to Egypt, he surely he thought to himself, surely this is the city of God, the garden of God, just like Egypt. He now equated the will of God to what he had seen in Egypt. And he thought to himself, there's, there's no way. Abram was stupid. We should have never left Egypt. But when he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah, he thought, well, maybe this is why we left Egypt. Because Sodom and Gomorrah is even better. It's like the garden of God. Amen. But it was not long before he was caught up in a war between Sodom and all the other kings. The Bible says this of Lot. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. He started out. Listen, there's people here today. Well, I'm not there yet. You're right. You're not there yet, but your direction's heading there. And direction matters. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. He pitched the door flap of his tent. You ought to understand, that's like putting your front door facing Sodom and Gomorrah. That when you walk out of your door, that is what you look at. That is what you see. Amen. And, and he, he gets his tent and he pitches it towards Sodom. But only a chapter later, you find him down in the plains of Sodom. He's, he's making a progression. He's now up on the mountain looking towards Sodom. Now he's down in the plains of Sodom. And the Bible says there's a war in Sodom's plain. And in this moment, he's taken captive. He loses his family. He loses his wife. He loses all the good things that have been given to him because he followed Abram. I want to tell you direction really does matter because you'll lose the things God has given to you with a bad direction. You'll You'll, you'll lose things uh, if you go the wrong direction uh, that God intended you to keep. Uh, you'll lose family that you were intended to keep. Uh, you'll lose relationships you were intended to keep. You'll lose blessings you were intended to keep. And guess what happened? Exactly what's happening today. Abram heard of it. And he went down and started fighting war. Amen. He started winning wars. And guess what? He pulled Lot and his family back out of the plains of Sodom. And he pulled them back out of the mess. And he got he got Lot all his stuff back. And you would think, amen, as I'm preaching to you, I'm trying to preach somebody out of Sodom. And I'm trying to preach somebody out of a bad direction. Well, I'm coming to church, but what's your direction? Well, I've been saved for this long, but what's your direction? Well, I got my family here, but what's your family's direction? And he grabbed him, uh, and he brought him back up uh, the hill a little bit. But can you believe it? Where Lot should have stopped and said, Abraham, I learned my lesson. I'm going to follow you. Because when I follow you, I get back what I lost. Uh, when I follow you, all of a sudden, I get back all, all these blessings. Uh, every time I follow you, I'm blessed. But when I go off on my own, I'm not. That's not what happened. The Bible says Lot didn't even thank Abraham. He just went back down into the plains of Sodom. Abraham had delivered his nephew, but his nephew went right back into it because direction matters. I have preached to people and preached to people. I'm doing it right now. Some, for, for some folks, you might say, well, this is not me right now. This might be you. So I'm going to just put this in your pocket for later. But I'm preaching to somebody today trying to deliver you out of a bad direction. I'm not talking about And let me, let me put this out there. Some people think sin is direction. Sin is not direction. Amen. Sin is an end result of a bad direction. Hallelujah. There's things. That's why Paul said we got to lay aside every sin and weight that easily entraps us and besets us. Sometimes there's things that are not sinful, but with, and with sight they're not sinful. But with vision, it will lead you into something that is sinful. And so you got to lay that stuff aside. But Lot, Lot went out there and he thought, no, this is fine. This is good. I'm just going to go right back into it. And that was just a fluke. That was never supposed to happen. Amen. You'd think that Lot would have gotten a, recognized the connection between his blessings and his protection with Abraham and following Abraham. But he didn't. And I preached to people 
that their direction is off, and I've seen them not change it. Now, I'm going to preach something real good here in a moment, some happy stuff. But I just want to talk to those, uh, amen, that you can you can deliver people and you can pray them through in the altar and pray them through in the altar and they can get their family back, they can get their marriage back, they can get their kids back, they can get their stuff back, and you can lay hands on them, 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 pull an Abraham, pull out your sword, hack every devil's head off in a thousand mile radius. But if their direction's not right, they're going to go right back to what God brought them out of. But can I pray? of the church, it's not the will of God for you to get delivered and go right back to your captor. It's, it's not the will of God for you to get delivered and go right back into bondage. It's not the will of God for you to get delivered of Sodom and go right back into Sodom. But you know the determining factor is when I pray for, for somebody and I lay hands on them. It's what happens in that altar call. If they just cry, uh, that's great. I'm not saying anything wrong with crying. Uh, but if they just cry crocodile tears uh, with the intent in the back of their head, I'm still going this direction. Or the person that says, I don't want to go there anymore. And you see a change in their heart. And you see a change in their mind. And you see a change in their direction. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise because direction matters. Somebody clap your hands and bless the Lord with some praise. My direction matters. After being delivered, he went right back to living a life of Sodom because that was his direction. He'd been delivered, but his direction never changed. And you can get delivered, but your direction never changed. And you're going to go right back into it. But you can change your direction. I came to preach to somebody. Whew. And it wasn't long after this that he's no longer looking towards Sodom. He's no longer living in the plains of Sodom. The Bible says he moves his entire family into Sodom. you got to study the Bible a little bit. There's a lot to be said about Sodom and Gomorrah and how wicked that city was. And history points out just how how horrific it is, but you don't even need history. You just read your Bible, and you'll see what happened when the angel showed up. We ain't got time to preach about that. Amen. The, the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah were so vile, but yet Lot, who is following a man of God, now is in the city limits. He's living in the city of Sodom. I never thought I'd go this far. But I've come to preach to somebody a redemptive part of this story. The Bible tells us where Lot was found when the angel showed up. Lot was not in the center of town. Lot was not hanging out, amen, at the supermarket. He wasn't there at the mall indulging and enjoying. But when you see Lot again after he goes from looking towards Sodom and ending up in the plains of Sodom and getting into the city of Sodom, where do you find Lot? You find him in the gate of Sodom looking out towards the mountaintops. Can I preach to somebody? There's a redemption. Direction matters if you're going the wrong direction. But direction also matters if you start turning towards the right direction. Direction matters if you're going the wrong way. But direction matters if you start going the right way. Direction matters when you took a wrong turn. But direction matters when you take a U-turn. Direction matters. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise. God's going to send him an angel, and he doesn't know it, but he's on the outside of the gate looking towards the mountain, and no doubt he's turning his direction away from Sodom. I didn't want to come here. It was a bad decision. I set my direction the wrong way, but as of right now, I've made it up in my mind. I wonder how Abraham's doing. I wonder how the herdsmen are doing. I wonder how the church is doing. I wonder how, the, I wonder how everybody else is doing. And he set his eyes towards the things outside of Sodom. Would you lift up your hands all across this building? In fact, let's stand across the building. Direction matters. Direction matters. Amen. If we can, we can lift up our voice and magnify the Lord. Come on. Come on, Lot. Lot. 
I know you made it into Sodom, but you can stand at the exit door. You can stand at the gate. You can stand at the exit and and look and change your direction from the exit of Sodom, and God can make a difference in your life. Come on, let's pray all across this building. Come on. What are you looking towards? What are you looking at? What's your affection set on? Where's your heart at? Where's your mind focused on? What direction? Hallelujah. Something had shifted inside of Lot. Maybe he finally realized that Sodom was not as incredible as he once thought. Because once you get down in Sodom, there's wars. Once you get down in Sodom, there's all sorts of immorality and wickedness. Once you get down in Sodom, you read it in your Bible. It's not as beautiful. It's not well watered. The Bible says it's full of slime pits. It's, it's a dump. Hallelujah. There's people that they thought something was going to be, uh, that it was going to be good. But then they get there and they realize this is not. Anybody ever traveled somewhere that pictures looked really good? And you get there and you're like, this place is a dump. That's how I feel about L.A. <laughs> Places that don't. I'm like, man, everybody out here camping. Never mind. You'll get that later. Praise God. This is a terrible place to camp. Uh, And so, you know, that's exactly what Lot did. He got down there and he thought, this is it. I've arrived. But he got closer and closer and closer. And I have no doubt something in Lot's heart started beating. Because he knew what it was to follow somebody who was following God. I'm preaching to somebody today right now. Your heart started beating while I'm preaching this. Maybe it's been a while since it started beating that way. But Lot started realizing, man, because he started seeing the direction that he had gone became the directions his kids went. And eventually it was going to be the direction his grandkids went. And the Bible says he brought his whole family in. But when the angels showed up and warned Lot of what was about to happen, guess what? Lot did everything in his power to change his family's direction. And his son-in-laws, no doubt, they were probably from Sodom, laughed at him and made fun of him, called him a crazy old man. And his daughters, they made fun of him and said, we ain't leaving. I want to tell somebody here today, direction makes all the difference. And, 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 And let me also say this, how quickly you change course makes a difference too. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the redemption. Can you change in 30 years? Yes. Can you change in 40 years? If God, God blesses you with a good life, yes. But what about your kids? What about your grandkids? What about future generations? But because we halt and we, we take our time. In fact, I'll preach this another time. The Bible says, while Lot lingered. Angel said, destruction's coming. coming and Lot just lingered. He didn't change direction fast enough, and I didn't come to preach that, but the dangers of following bad directions for too long is that people get lost. This is why it's so important to come to church. This is why it's so important to come to prayer meeting. This is why it's so important to come to Bible study. Not just because, uh, you know, you're like, well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to say that. No, I, I did this before I was the pastor because I, I came to church, and the preacher would help alter my direction. And I came to the altar. In fact, in in Ezekiel, it talks about when they came to the altar, there was water flowing out eastward, westward, northward, southward, which proves a point. All direction comes from the altar. And when you pray at the altar and you don't know where to go and you don't know what direction you should turn, when you go to the altar, God will turn you the direction you need to go. Amen. But if we're not careful, we'll get lost because we kept going the wrong direction and we didn't turn fast enough. So the angel of the Lord grabbed those that were willing to go by the hand and, he, and those that had set their direction away from Sodom. The angel issued a warning. Don't look back. I don't believe this was just to shield them from the fire and from the destruction and from the grief that something that catastrophic would cause them in future years. I believe 
that the angels were trying to keep their direction moving forward towards their salvation because direction really does matter. And that's why one of the shortest verses in the Bible, remember Lot's wife. When she looked back, I don't believe she was just taking a sneak peek. I believe she looked back with a directional look. She looked back with longing. And in that moment, even the judgment of God fell, she turned into a pillar of salt. She went from being a movement to being a monument because direction really does matter. Can I preach to somebody who you hang out with really does matter? I'm not just talking to teenagers. I'm talking to adults. Amen. The advice you get and who you get it from really does matter. What you watch, whether it be on your phone or on your iPad or when nobody's watching, you pull some out of your house. Amen. It really does matter. What you involve yourself with matters because all of that is directional. And this is what makes repentance so incredible. This is what makes repentance so beautiful. It is simply a change of direction. Repentance is not always a complete change in everything that goes on in your life. But it is a complete shift in your direction. This is why the Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It is by the goodness and the grace of God that he leads us to a place where we can turn around. Can I say this to somebody? We need to learn to make directional decisions. Everybody wants to make destination decisions, but we need to learn to make directional decisions. If you get your direction right, you get your destination right. If you'll get your direction right, you'll get your destiny right. Because destiny follows direction. And if you get the right direction, and you le- listen, you're going to stumble and you're going to fall. You read the story of Abraham. He stumbled. He fell. He made all sorts of ma- mistakes. But because he kept correcting his direction, his destiny became he's the father of the faith. You can stumble and fall. But if you keep changing your re- direction, you keep repenting. Can I preach to somebody that says, well, I repented when I first got saved. I obeyed Acts 2.30 and I repented. I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. But I want to tell somebody repentance has never been, nor will it ever be, a one-time event. You can get baptized one time in the name of Jesus, and it's sufficient for the rest of your eternity. But repentance was never meant to be a one-time thing. Paul said, I die daily. I change directions daily. I turn around daily. Because direction matters. Would you lift up your hands all across the bed? I'm done preaching. Come on. Come on. We need to start thinking directional. What direction is this? Where am I headed if I keep watching this? Where am I headed if I keep living like this? Where am I headed if I keep talking like this? Where am I headed if I keep thinking like this? Where am I headed? There are things that I involve myself in because they are directional things. Things like church, things like the altar, things like prayer, things like reading my Bible, things like fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters, things like teaching Bible studies, things like reaching the lost. Even I want to tell you, because those are directional things you get involved in. And there are things I abstain from. Well, pastor, is it going to send me to hell? Well, what's the direction look like? Is it just about not getting to that destination? I want to tell you, if we would run after Jesus with all our heart, There's a lot of things we won't do because we're so focused on running after Jesus. You know, there's some things my pastor never had to preach out of me because it was the opposite direction of running after Jesus. It was the opposite direction. It is my job as a pastor and as your pastor to make directional decisions. Well, pastor, does that really matter? Yes. Yes, it does. Well, you know, I know of other apostolic churches and I know of other Pentecostals and I know of, yeah, I do too. And that's why I keep my decisions the way I keep my decisions. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. 
because direction matters. Most famous story in the New Testament is the prodigal son. He looked out towards the world and said, I want that. And guess what? His direction led him directly towards that. But one day he got so hungry. I'm preaching to somebody right now. He got so hungry. He got so tired. He got so thirsty. The Bible says he came to himself. What was that? That's repentance. That's metanoia. That's a change of mind. That's a change of direction. And he started thinking no longer about the world and the parties. No longer about, he started thinking about my father's house. And when he changed his direction, guess what happened? He started changing his decisions. And when he changed his decision, he started changing his motion. And he started going towards his father's house. And the Bible says, amen, that while he was still a long ways off, the father ran to where he was. All God was waiting on was for a change of direction. Lift up your hands and let's pray. If we'll change our direction, we'll change our destiny. Prodigal son, you don't have to keep going that direction. Saint of God, that, that, that the devils intrigue you and encourage you that certain things don't really matter. I've come to preach to you, don't lose your blessings. Don't lose the good things God has given to you because you changed directions. Amen and gone the wrong direction. I want to open up this altar. This is an opportunity for every one of us to say, Lord, would you check my direction? Would you check my direction? This is not an admission of guilt. This is an opportunity to say, God, am I going the right way? Am I leading my family the right way? Am I leading my marriage the right way? Am I leading my kids the right way? Am I walking with you the right way? And you'll find the Holy Ghost as you come and pray. We'll start shifting things in your direction. And it will forever change your destiny. Come on, come to this altar and say, God, what directional decisions have you been pulling on me to make? While I've been preaching this, there's some folks that God's been speaking to them, reminding them there's some things that need to go out of the house. There's some things you're going to have to throw away. There's some phone name numbers you're going to have to delete. There's some people you're going to need to block. Why? It's a directional decision. Somebody pray. If you don't know the right direction to go, 
that's all right. You can make it up in your mind. I'm just not going backwards. I'm not going backwards. That's a directional decision. But you know 